There's a famous saying, uh, the origin of which is either disputed or completely unknown. The saying goes like this. Everybody wants a revolution. Nobody wants to do the dishes. Everybody wants a revolution. Nobody wants to do the dishes. Deep down, you and I have this longing to be part of something big, to use our lives for something that is significant. We hope that during our lives or at the end of our lives, our names are going to be attached to either something that is revolutionary or at least significant steps towards some kind of great revolution. And that's not a bad thing. Actually, I'm convinced that the longing that we have in our lives, in our hearts for purpose and meaning and significance, has been put there by God himself when he created us in his image. But though we long for revolution, few of us truly value the mundane, the everyday, the ordinary aspects of life. And Christmas is this pivotal day celebrating one of the cornerstone events in the Christian faith. The birth of the Messiah, God's anointed Christ, Savior of God's people. But the danger is is that you and I might miss all of the mundane faithfulness that is evidenced around this revolutionary, history-altering event. See, it's tempting for us to think that the authentic Christian life is a revolutionary one. And it is. It is a revolutionary one, but not in the way that we might think. The truth is that the authentic Christian life is much more a life of faithfulness in the mundane as the intervening revolution of God unfolds before our very eyes. Everything about this scene in Luke chapter 2 reeks of mundane faithfulness. There's the, the faithful piety of Mary and Joseph traveling to Jerusalem in order to keep the laws that God gave Moses so many years earlier about purification after childbirth and about presenting a firstborn son to God. They're offering the sacrifices that go along with those laws. And because they're a poor family, they offer the alternate sacrifice, not a lamb, but a pair of turtle doves or pigeons. So they come to Jerusalem offering out in their obedience, not out of abundance, but out of scarcity, faithfulness in the midst of whatever they have, whatever they've been given. There's the faithfulness of Mary and Joseph that led up to this moment. They followed government orders from the Roman Empire to travel to their ancestral home. So the reason that Jesus is born among the animals and not in his own house is because his parents obeyed the order of an oppressive, occupying government. There's the faithfulness of Mary and Joseph that would flow from this moment in the the days and years that would come. Raising a, a baby boy through dirty diapers and rambunctious energy and young adulthood. For Joseph, there's the added element of raising a child that is biologically not his own. Some of you are or have been foster parents or adoptive parents or step-parents. And while having a baby or while adopting a child or fostering a child, that might receive a lot of fanfare initially when it first happens. How many hours and months and years and decades of ongoing everyday faithfulness is required to raise a child from birth to adulthood? On top of that, we have these two obscure characters in Scripture, Simeon and Anna, mentioned nowhere else in the Bible but these few verses. And we know so little about their lives. Simeon is described as righteous and devout, so he is a man who walks with God. Anna is a prophetess. She is a steward of the revealed word of God. 
but we never learn anything about the impact of their lives. We never learn about the other men and women that they've met with and, and tried to pour into or serve or care for. We never learn about causes that they've been involved in or advanced in their lives. We know that Anna is old. We get the sense that Simeon is too, although we don't exactly know that. It just says he won't die before he sees the Lord's Christ. But that means that most likely neither of them will live to see the kingdom of God make these huge and visible revolutionary strides. It's incredibly likely that both Simeon and Anna would have died well before Jesus' ministry began at age 30, before his death, before his resurrection, before his ascension. They certainly don't live long enough to see the gospel spread like wildfire throughout the Mediterranean in the years that would follow the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. What we do know is that they are people of fasting and prayer, people of gratitude. They walk and they commune with their God. And as they do, they are faithfully watching and waiting for God's redemption to come, for the consolation of Israel. See, it's in the, mon- the midst of this mundane faithfulness of Mary and Joseph and Simeon and Anna that the God who created heaven and earth has stepped into time and space. It's in the midst of their mundane faithfulness that the author of salvation has established a beachhead through which and would ultimately lead to the decisive defeat of Satan's sin and death. Jesus is the one through whom many will rise and fall. He's the cornerstone that each of us will either build our lives upon or stumble over. And as he is revealed from heaven, the thoughts of our hearts, the thoughts of humanity are likewise revealed based on what we do with him and his claims. And all of this, this hinge of history revolution, that has been ushered in amid the mundane faithfulness of a young married couple and an elderly man who walks with God, and an elderly widow prophetess. Tish Harrison Warren uh, is an author who, about a decade ago, was really involved in what could be described as um, one of the more radical movements in the Christian landscape. Uh, She uh, lived in communes for those years. She gave away most of what she owned. She sought to really be an edgy and progressive voice in the Christian world. In the years since, it's been about 10 or 12 years since, she got married, Uh, she became a mom to two kids, she bought health insurance, and it's led her to do a lot of personal reflection about what it really means to be revolutionary and radical, what it means to be faithful to Jesus in this life. Uh, Three years ago, she wrote an article, a fantastic article called Courage in the Ordinary. I'd highly recommend it to any of you who would like to read that. In it, she says this. When we fearfully cling to the status quo and the comfortable, we must be challenged by the call of a life-altering, comfort-afflicting Jesus. But for those of us, and there are a lot of us, who are drawn to an edgy, sizzling spirituality, we need to embrace radical ordinariness and to be grounded in the challenge of stable mundaneness of the well-lived Christian life. In other words, everybody wants a revolution Nobody wants to do the dishes. Nobody wants to settle for the ordinary. Nobody wants to wait and let alone wait with attentiveness. We want a, a revolution to come right now with me playing a prominent role in a way that I can visibly and tangibly experience. It may or may not be visible or tangible. But the greatest thing truly that you and I can do for the kingdom of God is to be faithful in the mundane. 
Because it is in the midst of mundane faithfulness that the revolution of God's kingdom comes. Through our fasting and prayers, through our gratitude, these daily rhythms of personal worship and worship together in community, eyes are drawn to the coming of Christ. We ourselves and those we cross paths with are invited to likewise watch and wait and rejoice and find consolation and comfort in the midst of this weary world by looking to Jesus. So are you faithful in the mundane? Would others describe you in your everyday ordinary life as a man or a woman who walks with God? Are you pursuing a relationship with your God and Savior through personal rhythms of worship, through fasting and prayer, through time reading his revealed word to us in Scripture? Are you cultivating a heart of gratitude? Or have you perhaps written all those things off as insignificant, as the the basics or the churchy kinds of Sunday school answers that we talked about maybe when we were kids, but it's time to move on to other things. When we do that, we actually cut down the very tree we're longing to see fruit from. So this Christmas, my charge to all of you would be trade fanfare for faithfulness. Trade fanfare for faithfulness. Rest in and enjoy the radical revolution that is the entrance of the Son of God into human history. See the worth of mundane faithfulness, of watching and waiting with expectancy like Simeon, like Anna, for the coming of God's kingdom. And long in your own life for Jesus to come again and to make things new. Yes, work for the glory of God. Work for the good of others. We're going to talk a lot about that starting next week and through the month of January. Labor to see the kingdom of God advance. But never abandon your primary calling as those who are called to watch and wait for the consolation and redemption of God. In Jesus Christ, salvation has come into the world. In Jesus Christ, salvation is coming. So through mundane, everyday, ordinary faithfulness, may God give us prayerful and rejoicing hearts in which and through which the intervening revolution of his kingdom might continue to unfold. Amen. Amen. Let me pray. Jesus Christ, our Savior, you have done the unthinkable, the scandalous. And you have chosen to come in to this fractured world amongst fractured, broken, sinful people like me and like every single man, woman, and child in this room. And you have come so that you might give us help that you might be our help, that you might be our rescue, that your kingdom might do its revolutionary work. And we pray, God, that we, as we long for your revolution and long to, to be part of it and play a role in it, may we see that our first and primary role is to be those who experience it ourselves, who watch and wait for the day that you will come again. Make us faithful in the everyday. Help us to see the revolution that it requires in our own hearts to look with hope and expectancy to you, Jesus. And may many eyes and hearts through us be turned to likewise watch and wait for your coming. We pray this in your name. Amen.